Hey, I'm Benjamin Portnoy, the founder of Side Hustle Elevator. Side Hustle Elevator provides support, tools, training, and community to help you make more money and passive income through fun and fulfilling side jobs. And welcome to my interview series where I talk with people who I know are going to help you in your own side hustle to get better faster and make more money. With that, let's dive right in. Side Hustle Elevator. I am the hustler in chief. And with me today, I have my friend Lindsay Nathanson, who is, uh, she has created something and worked on it over the last almost decade called yeah. Sprinkles for Breakfast. And uh, it's her baking, basically baking blog and business, and she teaches courses. So with over 63,000 Instagram followers as of, I think that was last week, and 3.1 million monthly viewers on Pinterest, Lindsay's been able to take a small blog and over the last eight years, transform it into a massive passion project where she gets to do what she loves every single day, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's to be able to teach people how to become better bakers and uh, find the frosting in everyday life. That's awesome. I actually, I, in your honor, I baked a flourless chocolate pecan cake this morning. Oh, so we'll awesome. efficient this morning, already on it, baking a cake. Went to the gym, went to the grocery store, baked a cake. I have not done any of those. I fed my dog and took them out and ate some breakfast. So. Uh, well, I've probably had more sugar than you have today. So, so how's it going? It's good. Things are good. Good. So uh, tell us how you, you and I have talked once or twice, mm -hmm. and I was very impressed by not only what you've done, but what you've done it with, because I love baking and donuts and cakes and cookies and the fact that you've made this business out of it is just awesome to me. So um, tell us how you got started. And you and I have talked about your story. Feel free to include as much or as little as you like. Okay. Um, well, the blog actually started as a final for a photography class. So the assignment was to show pictures of things that you love. And I have been baking since I was about 14 years old. Um, love baking. So I thought, great, we'll shoot some baked goods. And I presented it in this blog format. And, you know, it was just a project. Got nothing of it. Um, the class really liked it. And then my friend and roommate was like, you should just like probably keep doing it. And I was like, okay. And like now here we are eight years later and I'm still doing it and running it as a business. So it's been a crazy ride, but that's how it all got started. That's awesome. And it's been a long eight years. I know you've been through a lot. Has this, is this your full-time business? Yes, it is officially my full-time jobs for the last two and a half years now. Okay. And we'll go into that two and a half year. By the way, if you see me typing, that's as I'm taking notes uh, full time. So it was kind of a side project, a side hustle yes. for a while. Um, to side hustle to full time. Okay. So while that was sort of ramping up, what jobs paid your bills and, uh, you know, what helped you build this up financially? I did a lot of side jobs. I was getting up at three in the morning and going into a bakery to bake. I was walking dogs. I was ghostwriting for other blogs. And I was also, which is my least favorite job, was a support person for Twitter. So people like would email in complaining about something. I'm like, I would have to try to help them fix it was not my favorite thing. <laughs> so <laughs> were you actually my advice was like turn off your phone and turn <laughs> that's yeah. good advice in general sometimes yeah. um what so you were actually working for twitter yeah wow it's well it was like periscope which was a small live streaming app that got bought by twitter so then yeah I remember Periscope. So a lot of what, I mean, aside from walking dogs, maybe a lot of what you were doing kind of was laying a foundation for where you were going. It was helping you learn different elements of starting a, a digital business. And that's yeah. cool. It was a, kind of like a stepping stone. A learning. 
Cool. So let's kind of run through this continuously uh, chronologically. So you have been baking since you were 14 and then you started this for a kind of a class project and uh, it kept going. And so to sort of talk about the evolution of it and where you decided to start building courses and where you saw the biggest leaps as far as, uh, you know, it, it, you start a blog, nobody's looking at it. And right. you start an Instagram account or a Pinterest account, nobody's looking at it. So talk about some, kind of those quantum leaps of, you know, what got bigger and when and why do you think that is? So the first thing that I figured out was that my photography needed to improve. So I was taking very bad photos of my recipes and um, I was in a photography class as that's why I did the final project. So I had taken photos of other things, but food photography was a totally different beast. Yeah. Like it's just a very different thing than like taking photos of people, which is what I had been doing. Um, so I really had to learn and teach myself food photography. And once the photos started getting better, the pins started going up, you know, the people on Instagram started coming, like the better my pictures were, the more exposure and the more um, my audience grew. So that is by far the biggest thing. Okay, let's stop there. Um, where, what were some ways you taught yourself? And as your pictures were getting better, what were you doing to get them out there? So Pinterest and Instagram were my main sources of like getting my stuff out there. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of teaching myself, I read a lot of books and a lot of blogs and I did a lot of trial and error. <laughs> um, you know, when I started eight years ago, there wasn't a lot of information out there about like shooting good food photos, like at home. It was all about like a studio and like, you know, this like studio lighting and stuff. And like, I just do it in my kitchen yeah. window. So it was a lot of trial and error, a lot of figuring stuff out and just a lot of practice. And that's actually what started the courses, right? So I saw this need that like, if I was starting eight years ago and I had to like, it took me years and years and years to be able to get a good photo. Mm. Um, so the courses actually teach bakers how to take better photos of their baked goods. So. Okay. Okay, so at, uh, let's go back to the main timeline. What was, uh, when did you start implementing courses? Um, the courses are the last, so 2018 was my first course. Oh, okay, so the last couple of years. 2020, yeah, so it's a very new thing. It's something I had wanted to be doing, um, and it took me a little while to like, one, get the confidence to like charge people for a course, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and two, like figure out the right platforms to do and exactly how I wanted to do it. Yeah, and I want to get into some of the tools you use mm -hmm. later. Um, but that's interesting about the confidence piece because you had to hit a lot of stepping stones. Uh, one was actually putting your stuff out there when you were first starting your recipes. And and then it was putting them, uh, you know, having to sound like an authority as a baker. Where does, Where did that confidence come from? Um, I think I was just for in the beginning, I was doing it for me, right? I was just like, it was something I liked doing and I was putting it out. And I, you know, I thought like my family was reading it maybe and like the few friends who pretended that they cared and like, um, and they were being nice and supporting me. Um, but I remember I was living in New York city and I had run into somebody that I went to college with. who was like a friend of a friend, like not somebody who I was close friends with. And cause I was putting the blog on my Facebook they were like, oh, I read your blog. And I was like, what, what do you, why did you do that? <laughs> like, so weird. Um, so things like that started like more and more people were reading and I just kind of like kept going. The baking, uh, just like word vomiting onto a page was never, there was no problem and for confidence there because it was just like, you know, I was just doing it. It was more when it got into monetization that mm. it became a confidence thing. Um, so going from just like a little hobby and like, this is me and what I do to like, oh my God, this is a business and I'm 
charging people to do things for me to take photos like that's when the confidence I think became like a little bit of a roadblock and what was it that pushed you over that block do you did you have mentors you were working with was it just I'm gonna do this and see what happens yeah so my mom died of cancer about five years ago and when she died I you know, had been working on the blog and it was something I think I had gotten like one paid thing by then. And I decided when she died that life is short and it can change in a second. And I did not want to spend my life doing something that I didn't love doing. And then I didn't want to look back and be like, oh, I'll do that in a couple of years or, oh, I'll do that eventually. Like, I was just like, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it. And I realized that if I was going to do it, I needed to make money. That's the reality. While I would love to just exchange paid goods for, you know, everything in my life, um, you have to make money to be able to run a business. So definitely a steep learning curve for me um, on how to get there. But you know, it was just the determination of like, this is what I want to do. And this is what I have to do to make it happen. That's awesome. And that is, forgive the pun, but that is a bittersweet sense of motivation that uh, yeah. is coming from this tragic event in your life, but has resulted in something that's very aligned with who you are and your purpose. And yeah, no, it's a really strange thing that like the worst thing that's ever happened in my life has gotten my dream job. It's one of those like weird things but like I'm just <laughs> rolling with it and yeah trying to make the best of you know a situation that was not yeah okay so it was a couple of years ago that the courses started showing up mm-hmm. and how um there there's sometimes a turning point with an audience that you've built up where if you start injecting ads or asking people to pay for things, mm-hmm. there's some fee, some blowback. So did you experience that? And if so, how did you handle that? Um, I think I've seen other people like just do ads all the time, like mm-hmm. on Instagram. And I'm just like, this is annoying. Like, yeah. I understand it because I am on the other side of it. Like I know they're doing it to make money, but like, just to have all of your content be ads felt like something that I didn't want to do. And that's when the courses came in. I would much rather, um, I decided that I would much rather make money providing people with like a course or something than make my money all the time and feeling like I have to like do all of these ads all the time to be able to pay my bills. So I wanted to find another way. And I've always been interested in teaching. I, started like being a teacher's assistant when I was like in middle school. So I, through college, I worked at elementary school. I mean, mostly I've worked with little kids, but I have loved teaching. So it was something I was comfortable doing. It was something I know I liked doing. And it just kind of, because I had spent so long trying to figure out the food photography thing on my own, I knew that there was a need for it. And people would ask me on Instagram, like, how do you get these pictures? Like, you know, I would sometimes like, do stories of my setup, which was like literally just my kitchen. When people would come to my house and watch me do a photo shoot, like they were always like so shocked that it was just me on my kitchen table, like half of my kitchen table um, that is getting these pictures. So I knew that there was a need out there and that's when I kind of shifted to um, the courses. So there was no blowback. I think I just more expanded on my audience. Okay. And you were listening to what it was they wanted, which everybody says to do. Um, And that's, so that's very helpful. Let's go back a step. You said you were putting ads on Instagram. Are you talking about like affiliate products or what were you actually? Sponsored sponsored posts is one of the ways that I make money. So um, something like I did a whole, bunch of stuff with international delight so i would make recipes with international delights different flavors and then that would be a sponsored post so like with instagram you have to you know make it known that this was a paid thing and ads then put the ad hashtag or sponsored hashtag in there um so that's what i'm 
Oh, okay. So you were um, you were basically endorsing certain products mm-hmm. on Instagram to make money from it. And how, I mean, aside from sort of the semi-conflict, the things that people can run into with, that's not the right. Aside from the blowback, um, were you making decent money doing that? Yeah, so I was able to make enough money that I could quit my jobs to go. Wow. Um, But the problem with the that world is that like, you know, you do one sponsored post and then like the next month you have to go out and hustle and like find more. Yeah. Like there's always this like rat race of like trying to find the next thing. Um, the, that like sponsored post world is changing and people are more leaning now towards longer partnerships where like it feels not only more authentic, but just like it makes more sense to like have this continued partnership rather than just in the beginning, it was all one off things. Yeah. Um, so that I like much better. I feel like it's more authentic for the audience, not like just like I'm doing this for the cash and yeah. in and out. Um, but in the beginning, it was definitely just one off things. These business, these businesses and companies were trying to figure out what worked and what didn't for social media marketing. So they were just doing these one off things. So it was like, always the rat race of trying to find every month start over to see if I like paid my bills that month. So. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, is that something you would recommend or do recommend to people who are getting into this? Is that, I mean, do you still like that or do you feel like it's not the best way to go? Um, no, I think absolutely. It's something that a good way for people who are um, just starting and like, I think you have to start somewhere, right? So if you want to eventually work with these like bigger companies, you have to start somewhere and like show that you're able to work well with other companies and like what you can produce. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think it's a good place to start. Um, and there's lots of platforms that connect you with businesses and people who can create content. Um, so it's there's definitely a market out there. There's definitely a lot of money to be made in that space. It's just you know, the fine line of feeling authentic to like feeling like you're selling out. Yeah. Understood. Fine line to walk. And that's something you kind of have to gauge yourself and And the audience as well. Like if, you know, if you're doing a post and your sponsored content gets, you know, a 10th of what you're usually getting, you know, that it's not either. It's not feeling authentic to them. So you got to change your wording or like how you're presenting it. Or like your audience is just like, we hate this. <laughs> <laughs> so I, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it is something that a lot of people wonder about um, is, so you mentioned platforms that you can use mm-hmm. to connect with these sponsors. Yeah. Um, how would somebody listening go about finding that? Yeah. So I'm trying to think of what my favorite are. Um, there's so many out there and they're changing all the time. Just like Mm -hmm. literally Googling like sponsored posts, like, or like content creator platforms. Um, popular pays is an app that I use, um, which is great. Um, popular pays P A Y S. Yeah. So that's the one I use a lot, um, in the beginning and now I mostly get people who are reaching out to me directly or in reverse, I reach out to people that I want to work with. But something like popular pace is great. In the beginning, you get to see all the different um, ads that people are looking for and you pitch a idea and you either get okay. it or don't. Cool. Yeah. So like anything else, you do the legwork as you're building up, but as you get bigger, they start approaching you a little Right, more. or you start reaching out them, which I was always scared of doing, but yeah, cool. Okay. Uh, let's talk about your courses. Um, you have, how many do you have now that are active? There is one main course and it's a four week boot camp, food photography mm-hmm. boot camp. Okay. Like there's little ones that you can buy, but it's all in that main course. Okay. So, okay. And 
So with the, I know that's changed a little bit over time. Is that correct? That you had smaller ones? Um, it's gotten bigger. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah. It's so always been the one main course. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there's also, well, I saw the, there was a smartphone course on your site. That one is in the works. So hopefully this year we're looking to do a smartphone course, which is mm -hmm. just um, based on how to take the best photos with your smartphone. But actually, I would say half the people who take my regular four-week course are just using their phones. Okay. Um, so it, what's so great about the course is that it's a beginner course and you can really start from just taking photos with your phone. Mm -hmm. um, and then in this new year, we're working on the smartphone course, which goes into more detail on just how to use. It's really mostly for iPhone users because it tells you how to use the features in the iPhone. Okay. And then an advanced course as well, where it'll take, you know, after they graduate from the four week course, it'll be like a much more intense advanced course than like just starting in Jupiter. Okay, cool. Um, so it says on there that it's waitlisted. Are you, or there is a, a wait list? So the wait list is just because I only do it certain times of the year. So mm -hmm. I have like, um, we have um, next week we're doing webinars and then the courses start, we'll start the first week in February. So it's, the wait list is just for people who want to get in on the next round of courses. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's an, and then it, it's, there's an open and a close, right? Where mm -hmm. at that point you're done. So is this, Tell us the thinking. I know this is a, a time-tested technique, but tell us the thinking behind that versus leaving it open all the time. So the way that I sell the course is usually I do a free webinar. So I do an hour webinar where I teach people, you know, how to take good food photos. And then if they want to learn more, they can buy the four-week course. So that's how it works. So the webinar is where I get all these people coming in. Mm -hmm. that are interested in it. So instead of just leaving the course open, it's a four-week course because they get, it's like a class. Like they have like every Monday they get a new unit for four weeks. They post their homework. Like I'm commenting on their homework. So it just makes it easier and feel like more of like these people are all in this class together than just like randomly people taking it throughout the year. Okay. Sense. Yeah. So it would... Do you feel like this was a kind of a, is it a bandwidth reason that you open and close it, that you only have so many people you can help at a time? Or was it a, an approach to uh, using scarcity to get more signups? No, definitely okay. not scarcity. It's about like giving these people in this class the best um, material and like support that they can mm -hmm. get in that time. Gotcha. Yeah. So it really is truly about how you can best serve yeah. your your clients and customers. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. So for anybody who's listening who doesn't know what scarcity is, it is basically the notion of there is only so much of something or there is only a certain amount of time before something goes away and that creates more uh, desire to have it. And there are a lot of marketers. Lindsay is really great at balancing this line. And I would argue you're more on the side of giving value over everything. Uh, but there's there are marketers out there who use these as techniques for better or for worse to entice people to take action. Um, and it's it's not, you know, the dark side of the force all the time. It's um, I mean, have you encountered marketers who do that? Yeah. So I think it's something I work with, um, somebody who helps me market like, and does the back end because I'm mm -hmm. bad at technology, which like I work on the internet. It's a weird thing, but, um, so we talked about that and I just, I think that there maybe is a little bit of sense of scarcity and urgency and that like it only happens so many times a year. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe there's a little bit of that, but for me, I wanted it to be as many, you know, like I didn't want to, I wanted to be able to have as many people 
take this course as possible. And I felt like if I said like only 10 spots left and there was like more people in the Facebook group or, you know, I just didn't want to like lie to people. Like, I don't know. It felt weird to me. And yeah. so I decided that just to be totally like everyone can come. <laughs> so. So if somebody, and I, I know you're teaching this, but uh, you are doing what you're doing. Um, if somebody wanted to start a course, let's say, mm -hmm. and they don't feel like they're at a point to do that, what would you recommend? If they want to start a course, but they you got to start somewhere. So maybe you know, doing a one hour free webinar, which is a great way to get people interested and involved. Um, but for the first course, I would say just start with a lower price point, like a pretty low price point. And that's what I did. And then it went up and like, I just saw what worked and what didn't. Mm. Um, you know, at first I was doing all my courses live to figure out, you know, what worked, what didn't, what people were understanding and what people were like, wait a minute, we don't know what you're talking about. Um, so after that, now they're all recorded and like I have the stuff planned out. So I think you just kind of have to like go with it. <laughs> Start small, feel it out. Yeah. Put things out there, see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So you have, um, you've been doing this over time. You've been studying all these different aspects of digital commerce and marketing. So let's talk about your funnel and how this is structured. So a marketing funnel obviously is where you get a, a lot of potential people to come into the top of the funnel. They consume your free stuff or your low cost stuff. And as they go down the funnel, they hopefully will get to the end where they buy your big course and maybe an upsell or two, and then you continue to market to them over time. So that's a, a typical funnel. What does yours look like? Yeah, so that's where the webinar comes in. So the top of the funnel is people just registering for this free course. Mm -hmm. So that's where they start. We get the emails that come in. And then as you go down, like they get a bunch of emails reminding them about the webinar, then they either show up or don't show up to the webinar. And then you go through and try to sell them. Mm -hmm. of course so that's kind of how the funnel works okay in my structure okay and do you have any upsells that you are pushing once people have signed up so we are implementing an upsell this this year um we're doing offering like a vip um section where actually speaking of scarcity we are only going to do 15 this time because i just want to it's one of those things where I, this is a new thing and i want to see what works and what doesn't work so mm -hmm. it's not about like only 15 of you like come on in like it's like i just want to make sure that the 15 are getting yeah it's good yeah um to see what works and what doesn't like i said so um that will be like the upsell in okay the round cool yeah and have you played with different pricing structures just to see what would work? Yeah. So like I said, I started pretty low and then I kind mm -hmm. of went up, you know, a little bit and a little bit more. And I think we've kind of landed on like a good price. Okay. Yeah. And for your audience, you've seen that that works well with uh, what they want, what they're willing to spend. Yeah. So for, <laughs> I mean, we do offer refunds and every once in a while we do get refund requests, but yeah. for the most part, everyone is very happy with what It's probably Martha Stewart and Rachel Ray. They're all <laughs> wanting refunds. Um, so have you, I mean, you've gotten to know your audience pretty well. Have you gotten gone through a process of actually writing down who your avatar is and understanding on paper who it is you're marketing to and what their needs and assets. And so since I started my avatar and audience, I think has changed. So it's something mm -hmm. that I'm constantly having to check back in with. Um, so like in the beginning, you know, like I said, I was just like putting out what I wanted to put out. Right. Like it was just like, this is what I like. Here <laughs> <you know." laughs> um, so, and then, you know, in over time, I realized that I need to be really creating content for the people consuming it, not just like what I liked. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, it started with like female, like younger bakers who were just starting out, like one of these simple recipes. And like, it like grew eventually now into these people who are maybe a little bit more advanced bakers who are making these beautiful baked goods who don't know how to take photos of them. So mm. for me, it was like, it's always been about constantly checking in with my audience and seeing like what they want and what they don't want, interacting with them and then being able to take that, those answers and that interaction and like be able to create content for what they want. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So let's down maybe no, but like I am always constantly checking in on it. So even if it's not on paper or on the computer, you you're kind of continually rounding that out in your head, who that person is or people and being able to market to them. Okay. Um, What's more fun to you? The, the, uh, marketing part of it, or, I mean, you, you do so many things in this business. What do you enjoy the most? The baking. <laughs> <laughs> if you could do it, if you could be making a living baking full time instead of doing the digital side, would you do it? No, because that entails like either a bakery, which like, I like to be able to bake what I want when I want, you know, mm-hmm. so, like, it's like the whole thing encompasses, like, I love taking the photos, um and but the baking is like really where my heart and soul like is um so sometimes i find myself like getting a little frustrated like when i'm on the computer all day trying to figure out like stuff for the courses and i'm just like i just want to be cooking (laughs) (laughs) um so but that's why i like enlisted like this help like the girl who's helping me with the marketing it's something that I was very bad at and yeah. she's been like a game changer for me and like it's been so amazing so like I think it was about like you know instead of me trying to teach myself which like I did on my website I tried to like be a graphic designer and like it was awful and then I just like paid someone $200 and it was like so much better so I spent like it's about like knowing what you're good at and what you're not good at and then like finding help yeah well let's let's talk let's talk about that your branding is done really well it's i i mean between the colors and the verbiage is just fun and light and it's personable uh it doesn't feel like it came from a template or anything how much of that is you how much of it is you working with a professional i mean there's got to be there's so much of what seems like you on your website and your materials. Yeah, that's all me. <laughs> it's all, that is something, I think actually Instagram was a great way in getting when I was trying to figure out what my brand was. Mm-hmm. It was such a visual platform. I needed, I would like take photos of Christmas themed baked goods and use like these red and green and I'm like, it just like wouldn't fit in with the pastel that yeah. I was really doing. So actually Instagram was a great way for me to be able to like hone in what the brand was, what Sprinkles for Breakfast was. I wanted people to be able to recognize something and be like, oh, that's obviously Sprinkles for Breakfast. Um, so it was something that developed over time, but it was, you know, most all of that stuff has come from me. Yeah. Um, the marketing is more like the emails and like, you know, how many emails to send, when to send them and all that stuff, which I yeah. like, I don't want to annoy them. Like, <laughs> you know, and she's like, no, they have to see it this many times. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> the fine line for sure. Yeah. So uh, let's get into um, some of the tools that you use. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that from, um, uh, from social media, let's let's start there. It's Pinterest, mm-hmm. Instagram. Mm-hmm. What are you using to uh, to? Are you using post scheduling services and that kind of thing? So Pinterest, I use Tailwind. Okay, which is amazing, and it makes my life so much easier. You can like pin multiple things at a time rather than like you know and schedule them out. Rather with Pinterest, you have to like do one at a time. Um, so Tailwind is great. Um, they have a lot of great educational resources too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're an amazing company. Yeah. Um, and I also they have an Instagram section as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I use Planoly for my 
Instagram scheduling. What is it? Planoly, P-L-A-N-O-L-Y. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm putting all this down so we can put it in the uh, resources section on the, when I put this into the, the blog post. So people can go to it. All right. So that's social media. Let's talk about marketing. Mm -hmm. So I use Kartra mm -hmm. webinar jam for the webinar itself. And it actually links up with Kartra and Kartra is great because you can do one, it connects with webinar jam. Um, it does all of your emails as well. And you can set up a membership site so I can do everything I need with the course all on Kartra. Awesome. Yeah. Spent a long time looking for Kartra. I use it too, as we, that's actually how we met was over Kartra. And, uh, it's, I spent a long time looking for a platform like that. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. And as far as photography, what, what are you using? So I use a Nikon D750, um, but you can use your phone. Like these days, the cameras on your phone are so good that you can get good photos, but mm -hmm. a DSLR camera, like if you're going to do it professionally, like probably it's a good idea. And I'm like a Nikon girl. I've always been a Nikon. What's that? I've always been a Nikon person. So, you know. Versus Canon, Canon huh? Yeah. Interesting. Um, so if somebody wanted to start with their phone camera, mm -hmm. they want to take your course, let's talk about how they find it. With, you mean the phone, the phone, the phone course or the regular course? Both. Um, so that's a great question. We're working on having it more visible on the website, but it is okay. on the website. Um, that's where you would find it. Okay. And so the website, which is currently featured at the bottom of our screen, mm -hmm. if you're not watching and just listening, tell us what the, uh, how to find it on the internet. <laughs> www.sprinklesforbreakfast.com. Okay, good. And there's a whole Sprinkle Academy section that has all the courses and eBooks and all that on there. Okay, cool. Any other, uh, that was just a, an, a spontaneous plug for your stuff. Um, we'll do that again before the yeah. end of the, the conversation. So what's that? I love it. Great. Yeah. Um, so any, before we move on, any other tools that you use that you like? Um, those are the main ones I use, I think. Oh, okay. See it I use for editing on my phone. Um, it's my favorite, like, like uh, photo editing app. What was it? Snapseed, S-N-A-P-S-E-E-D. Okay. Yeah. Do you ever use your phone these days for editing? Um, yes. If I, I use Snapseed a lot, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, but for my phone, for taking photos, especially if I'm, like, out or, you know, on vacation, I don't want to bring my DSLR camera. I absolutely use my phone to take photos. Awesome. So what I'm hearing is that if somebody wants to start their own blog and have photography, they don't need to go spend a thousand, two thousand, five thousand dollars on a high-end camera and editing software. What do you think it would cost if somebody wanted to start today with as small of a budget as they could, what would that be? And what would you recommend? So I, in the class, I give an ebook called the DIY Home Studio, and it's like everything that you need to set up a studio home, and it's under a hundred dollars. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean that doesn't include like a DSLR camera. That includes like a phone, or you know, if you already have a camera, but everything else is under a hundred dollars. That's great. Yeah. Which people can find again at. We'll throw that back up there, sprinklesforbreakfast.com. Okay, so um, let's talk a little bit about networking. Okay. How do you approach networking and where do you find people to network, whether it's other bloggers or bakers or marketers? Do you go to conferences? I mean, so how do you- I go to a lot of like workshops and like day events and I usually am going by myself. And so over the years I've come up with this thing where 
once I'm there, I, ha I have a goal to introduce myself to five people. Okay. So instead of like it having be this overwhelming, oh my God, there's so many people here and I don't know any of them. I just like make a goal to like meet five people and that has worked really well for me. You know, some of them you never talk to again, but sometimes you meet somebody and then they connect you with somebody. Like, you know, it's a really great tool um, to use when you're in those kind of situations. And Instagram is also a great way to connect with people. I am co-teaching a course with somebody that I met through Instagram. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do it. I also have a couple of times just emailed people that I like respected or had a question for. So it's just about putting out, putting yourself out there and like, you know, connecting when you can. That's cool. Yeah. I, I like that five people thing because yeah. I would imagine there's kind of a secret in that because it's not just meeting five people. It's starting the inertia and the momentum of, oh, I've talked to five people. I might as well talk to five more. Yeah. And then. Yeah, it just makes it like a tangible goal that you can, like mentally I can be like, okay, I can introduce myself to five people. Right? Yeah. That's a small number. I can do it. And it's been really great. I mean, some, you know, sometimes I just introduce myself to five people at an event and I end up talking to one for, you know, the whole time. Or like I said, like I start with five and then it just keeps going from there. So it's cool. Been a great thing to do you consider yourself more of an introvert or an extrovert when it comes to that kind of thing? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I think I have qualities of both. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the five people rule forces me to be that ex, like the full extrovert that yeah. I, you need to be in those situations, yeah. at okay. least in those five interactions. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough when you're in a, a completely new environment, you don't know anybody. Yeah. You have to, there's no leverage there. There's nobody to. Yeah. And I think the thing that comforts me is that there's a lot of people who are in the same exact situation in those conferences and like mm -hmm. most people are more than happy to talk to you when you go up and introduce yourself so cool do you have a uh like, this sounds corny but like an opening line or something that you start or is it situational yeah it's more situational okay um yeah because it depends on like you know you can ask what they do like if it's a conference with a bunch of but if it's a bunch of photographers like you know what they do so it just depends i think on <laughs> that's i'm picturing that like what do you do i'm yeah. a photographer yeah what do you do well i'm do what he does yeah we're all so. photographers here <laughs> yeah that's funny. Okay. Um, this has been fantastic. We actually have covered a lot of ground. It's been very content uh, focused. So let's, let's talk a little fun stuff. What, uh, first of all, what kept you focused and disciplined and optimistic aside from the event with your mom? Um, I think that's probably the biggest factor in like staying driven. I'm also really stubborn. Uh, so <laughs> I decided that this is what I wanted to do. You know, there's people who told me to go get a real job or like, you know, it was too isolating and I needed to be around more people or like, you know, what, what are you doing? And I was just like, sorry, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I just it was so passionate about it. And I knew it could work. And I was so believed in it that like, I just kept going. And at the points where it looked like it wasn't going to work, did you have uh, an escape hatch? Yes. Huh? Meltdowns? Yes. <laughs> did you did you ever say, I'm going to quit if something doesn't happen? Or is it just, this is going to work? I didn't. At all. So the first year that I was making money, um, I set a goal, like if I can make $10,000 from this blog this year, I'll keep going. Um, I think I made like $10,500. So I was like pretty close, but I did it. Um, and then that like ever since oh, my dog is really wanting to come in. Can you hear her? Come in. Okay. Okay. 
<laughs> we have for uh, if you're watching and listening, we had a conversation before we went live here that uh, my cats typically make an appearance before uh, the end of an interview. Oh, and that her dog wanted to come. She locked him out. So who is this? This is Olive. Oh, yeah. She's the best um, assistant for Sprinkles for Breakfast. Always cleaning up the floor. <laughs> so she eats a lot of sprinkles. Um, but yes, this is all in. Oh. Um, but what were we saying? Oh, you were talking about uh, making a $10,000 goal and then exceeding it. And so there was, there was never really a point where you said, I don't think this is going to work or I'm giving up after this point. It was more of setting goals. Yeah. Um, the first webinar I did was a big failure. That mm -hmm. was a rough one for me, full meltdown. Um, I had all these like ideas in my head that I would have, you know, this many people come and all of that. And I think I had less than 40 people come to the first one. And I was just like, besides myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like my dad was actually very helpful in that and was like, you know, we're going to, you know, spend a little money on marketing and then we'll see what happens. And so once I like, cause I was like, what do you mean I'm going to spend money before <laughs> I make money? Like that to me is like, no, but that's how it works with marketing. And so, yeah. um, it ended up being much better the second. That's cool. So I haven't heard you talk about your dad yet. What's, uh, what role has he played in this whole process? So my dad, is kind of like a business consultant. Um, and he's just been really helpful in like answering questions and, you know, being a sounding board for me. Um, so he, especially in these creating these courses, he has been really helpful in like setting, <laughs> setting goals for what we're spending and how many, <laughs> Can you say hi? Yeah. <laughs> um, for setting goals for like what I need to spend and what how many people I should be getting with that spending and like just putting out like a marketing plan. Cool. Um, which, you know, for me with like because I don't like money, I was just like so overwhelmed by it. So that was really helpful. And what platforms did you use? Was it Facebook ads? Was it it was all Facebook ads. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, now let's talk fun stuff. Uh, what's your number one, if you had to pick one, and I know it's like picking one of your children here, but if you had to pick one recipe, what is your favorite recipe of all time that you've made? Okay, so if I had to pick one, it would be jumbles. It is something that I made up in high school and it's like this white chocolate caramel oatmeal bar. Mm. They're super easy to make and they're so good and addicting and they're definitely like a crowd pleaser like i have people all the time who are like i don't like white chocolate like i don't like caramel and i'm like just eat it and like, <laughs> okay this i like <laughs> so yeah awesome um good uh so if somebody goes to sprinklesforbreakfast.com and uh looks for it you went on a donut tour yes which is amazing one of the coolest things anybody has ever done in the entire history of the planet so what's uh, and you can go through each city number one did you have a number one place in that you went to or are they all great i think i had a top three okay so the donut vault in chicago and then sidecar donuts in orange county there's one in la but i think one in Orange County is better. And then there's one called the Donut Hole in Portland, Maine, which they yeah. use like potatoes in their donuts to make them super soft and white. Mm. So those are, I think, top three. They're all like very different types of donuts, but. Okay, those that's going on my where I need to go before yeah. the end of the year list. Yeah. Um, what else is coming up? Do you have anything else like that just so for fun? The donut tour took us two years to finish. So yeah. it was a long um, process. So 
we're trying to figure out, you know, with scheduling, like when we can do the next food tour. I think ice cream is on the list for being nice. the next food tour. Um, but it's still definitely in the works. Okay. You know, awesome. my she, my friend, and I did it together, and she like just got married and like just got a new house, so she has like real adult like things to deal with. <laughs> And I'm just like, come eat donuts with me. <laughs> <laughs> That'll help just about any problem. Yeah. So what is the best dessert for a tough day? For a tough day. On tough days, I make chocolate chip cookies. They're easy to make. And I just find that like, there's not much that a warm chocolate chip cookie like can't fix. Yeah. So I think that's probably my go-to for a tough day. Okay. What's the best dessert for a great day? You mean like like a celebration day? Yeah. So my favorite, like my grandma once asked me what I would make for the Queen of England if she came to eat at my house, <laughs> which she shouldn't do that. <laughs> much nicer houses to eat at. But um, it's something called a butter cake. It's like the most amazing heaven thing ever. That's awesome. <laughs> That's probably what I would say. You probably could get Meghan Markle to come over yeah. now. Well, she's in Canada now, so we have to. We can get her to come down. Probably. Yeah, she's but, closer than the Queen. Would yeah. be my guess. That's true. All right. Uh, so let's talk about next steps for and we we did cover this already but for anybody who wants to learn more about you or about sprinkles for breakfast or any of your courses tell us where to go and what to do you go to sprinklesforbreakfast.com and there is a section if you want to learn about the courses called the sprinkle academy and that will give you all the information you need on there great and there's more information about you on there as well Okay. Awesome. Okay. Anything else you want to add before we close up shop here? I don't think so. Thank you for having me. This has been great. You're very welcome. It's been a lot. Olive B. <laughs> we'll, we'll put Olive's uh, nameplate back up. Oh, and one more question. Did you, how often do you have sprinkles for breakfast? More than I would like. <laughs> More than you should. <laughs> All right, guys, you've been listening to Lindsay Nathanson from sprinklesforbreakfast.com. My name is Benjamin Portnoy. I am the hustler-in-chief of Side Hustle Elevator, where you can get support tools, training, and community for making more money and passive income through fun and fulfilling side jobs. And to learn more about what we do, how we can help you, go to sidehustleelevator.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. It's on Google Play and the iTunes Store uh, and most recently on Spotify. So also go to the YouTube channel. You can subscribe and get a notification every time one of these YouTube lives comes out. So with that, we're going to say goodbye. And Lindsay, thanks again. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for having us. All right. Talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for checking out the episode. To learn more and get all kinds of free resources to help you in your own side hustle, go to www.sidehustleelevator.com. See you next time.